Welcome to Sand Pebbles. The purpose of this series is to make philosophy accessible and understandable to the working public. I have here our resident theologian, Harvard theologian, Harvard philosopher and Buddhist, Dr. Hogan. And he has some rebuttal or objections to my comments regarding truth and ethics. Rouse, you know, he's got this theory. You don't know what you're going to be. The veil of ignorance. I mean, that, that's like saying you should be able to fly like butterflies. I mean, it's meaningless. No, no power that be is ever going to do that. They've never done that. They're not doing it. They never will do that. And oh, no, just, no, 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 no. It doesn't, no, it doesn't no, no. answer ethics. Any ethical question that's in any way difficult cannot be answered. Let me explain how it does. The first week I arrived at Harvard, I, I searched out Rawls's seminar on moral philosophy. Wednesday, 2 p.m., Emerson Hall. And Emerson Hall has the words written above it. And most people don't realize there's, there's actually God at Harvard, or there was. And Emerson <laughs> Hall says, says, What is man that thou art mindful of him? It's a quote from the Psalms. At any rate, there were maybe 30 people in the room, and, and since my first meeting with Rawls, I read his theory of justice, of course. Many people did in the 70s and universities all over the world. But the first thing he does is he wants to make sure anyone who's handicapped is comfortable in the room. And then he says that anyone who wants to take this seminar can take it, which is unusual. Usually if there's too many people, and there were, you establish a list of priorities. Most universities do that. But Rawls said, no, you paid your money, you can take my seminar. And, of course, we ended up only with maybe 18 people eventually, but, and he probably knew that would happen. The other odd thing about Rawls is he stuttered. He was like a mouse behind the lion. The book is a lion. He stuttered when he spoke. And I discovered recently why that's probably the case. He grew up as a patrician, and you're right. You, know, he, you could put Rawls with Milton. And, and he was a patrician in Baltimore when Baltimore was a cultural city, which it no longer is, of course. I mean, it was there when it burned, and that's not spelled B-E-R-N. He went to private prep schools, and he gave a disease, polio, I guess. He gave a disease to his siblings, which he never suffered from. In other words, his sibling or siblings, I don't know if it's one or two, his sibling died from a disease that Rawls gave them. So I think two things here. That may be the origin of the stutter, the, the trauma, but it's certainly the origin of his second principle of justice, which is the difference principle. Any regime, any system of order that is affirmed should benefit the least off, which is Jesus. That's, yeah, I'll get back to Jesus again. I think both of those have their origin in that experience. But let's jump forward to his philosophy. The veil of ignorance is a device he uses to prevent you from choosing principles based on your self-interest, your luck in life. That that goes back to the earlier point. What, What Rawls concluded from both facts is that the luck of birth, the luck of life, should not privilege you, okay? But it does, though. I mean, that's... That's why I hate ethics like that. I mean, it's denying an undisputable fact of reality. But he, he's trying to choose a regime that rebuts that. Yeah, but that's like trying to choose the sun not coming up in the morning. I'd rather it come up at 
I don't know. I read or come up at eight o'clock and sure, it's hypothetical. Yeah, yeah, it's hypothetical. Right. So, how is that in any way ethics or or any meaningful thought? I mean, okay, I'm going to answer that because if a person doesn't know their fortune in life, they will choose principles that are neutral. But they do. I mean, Obama knows his fortune in life. Trump knows his fortune in life. There's no such thing. No, no, no. Let's get back to what Rawls argues for. Rawls argues that if, in fact, you do not know your fortune in life, and you will choose neutral principles, and I'll have to back this up eventually, but Rawls says that you will choose a principle that there can be no advantage to anyone that does not advantage everyone. All right, well, let's do abortion. Or apply Rawls's principles to abortion and give me your conclusion as to whether it's moral or immoral, ethical or unethical. It's really, it's very interesting you bring this up because when I was in divinity school before philosophy, I worked in the, the end of Harvard Library and Rawls came in one night <laughs> and he remembered me. He, he knew who I was and what I thought. He knew I was a Jesuit or a neo-Jesuit. He came into the desk and he said, I'm here to study your church. <laughs> and he was looking for articles on abortion. And I told him where to find them, of course. But you know what? I never asked him or, and I didn't know what his conclusion was about that. Well, but what's know. yours? You're advocating John Ross's veil of ignorance. So using the veil of ignorance, is abortion yes. moral or immoral? Ethical or unethical? That depends. See, you can't um, do it. No, it doesn't depend. <laughs> Once you say no, it depends. No, let me explain why it depends. <laughs> and For, what, your, what, what does your wife believe and what are you going to have an argument tonight, right? <laughs> yeah, we might. I'll ask her. I'll ask her. If, if, you are, if you are a poor teenage black woman who got raped, it's ethical. If you're a wealthy, all, right, well, all right, follow the logic. How's it, why is it ethical in that case? Because they are the least advantaged. Right, but aren't you killing a human life? I mean, isn't that the substance of the problem? Is prenatal life at some point human life or non-human life? Or yeah, so well, yeah, so well, you're, you're actually affirming the Buddhist view. No, Ultimately, I'm not affirming. I'm trying to figure out how this veil... No, 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 no. If you can defend a black teenager getting an abortion, then you're affirming both its illegality and its acceptability. I'm not defending anything. I'm asking you to explain this veil I'm, of ignorance. You, I am. I am, okay? And that, I'm saying that both are true at the same time. All right. Well, that, yeah, which you don't like. I know you don't Well, like. it's not a question of I don't like. I mean, it's not reason. It's not rational. You're basically, you're, you're saying, sure, it's true at the same time. So when some power that be, like five judges, decide it's moral, then it's moral. And when, if it no, times, no, 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 I mean, no, that's not, what you're saying. No, I mean, no, no, I'm not, I'm not, I don't care what judges say. I'm, I'm talking about what's a moral assertion by anyone. Sure, but in the yeah, case I, of an abortion, maybe I'm missing it. In the case of an abortion, the issue is, can one human life take another human life? And is the prenatal fetus a human life? I mean, isn't that the moral moral question at issue? Yeah. So from the veil, it is. is. 
All right, so from the veil of ignorance, what do you assume? Do you assume that a three-week fetus is human life, a three-month fetus, a six-month fetus? No, no, you're not paying attention. Uh, under the veil of ignorance, whatever rule you arrive at has to advantage the least advantaged, the black teenager. Yeah, but how is that? She tell me that the this black teenager who is alive and has a future is less advantaged than a three, assuming it's life, a three month or a three week. Oh, that's a very good, that's a very good question. Excellent question. And I need to go back and see what Rawls thought about that. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I do. Because I think, I think what you're exposing is that Rawls discovered the, soft underbelly of his very own philosophy. I think that's the case. I think he's just another Plato, John Milton, who, despite his war experience, just lived a, a sheltered, illusionary existence, right? He did, yes. Our argument here actually brings up reality. The reality is that no one really cares about the fucking fetus, whether it's life or not. The argument in reality is, who is going to be able to kill the fetus? Is it a woman, a man? Well, it's right, definitely not a man. Right. I mean... I mean, so it's not a question of reason or ration or logic. It's a question of power. Who has the power to make that decision? You know, for example, I mean, I don't know how much into this you want to get, but it's a question of power. It's not a question of a veil of ignorance. The people to make that oh, decision. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're going, yeah. you're going back to your bedrock philosophy. The people who make that decision are fully aware of what's going on and the power at issue. They're not working behind a veil of ignorance. They never have, they are not, and they never will. All right. uh, okay, okay, okay. Sorry. Uh, let, me, let me go back to explain how, as much as you disagree with it, the difference principle is the resurrection of Jesus in philosophy. You see, Rawls was a medic in World War II, and most people who went through World War II they either abandoned religion or they became monks. I, I know both. Yeah, Rawls. the com right, the combat. Rawls abandoned right. religion. I mean he wrote a thesis on sin and forgiveness at Princeton, which is now published, but and he, he died as a Unitarian in Lexington and Unitarians are it's more politics than religion, but that is a great joke about Unitarians. Famous comedian in Washington made this joke at the hotel across from the jockey club. He said that that people were we're running around burning question marks on people's lawns. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Unitarians, yeah. The Unitarians were burning question marks on people's lawns. So, at any rate, that's how he died. But, and he, he, he actually published a small statement about his views of religion that he kept secret throughout his life. And, and you know, I asked him some questions, and we never got to that. But the point is, although he abandoned institutional religion, his difference principle is the ethic of Jesus. Whatever you do to the least of my brethren, you do unto me. That's the difference principle. Yeah, but, you know, I, uh, Jesus is just as delusional as, as Rawls was. Yeah, let's go back to that in a minute. <laughs> what, what else about Rawls? Oh, yes, yes. I asked him, because I'm a lawyer, I asked Rawls once, if you thought our Constitution was just, and he, he, he looks like a Puritan, he's, he, he, well, he did. He was very tall, and he always wore the same jacket and tan pants that he wore at Kent School. He leaned back, he said, oh, no, 
do you? <laughs> do you? Of course, I waited for his answer because the point was the question, not what I think. And he said, oh, no, no, no. Uh, and, and his view of justice, like the difference principle, was way beyond law. It was way beyond law. It was it's the structure of society, the very social life that we live. And he said, no, as long as certain people, and this goes back to your abortion question, as long as certain people are denied education from birth, there will not be justice. That was his answer. Yes, so there will never be justice in life. (laughs) That's your answer, yes. yes. Now, uh, to go back to Jesus. So you think Jesus is a madman too? Well, not mad, delusional, but... Why do you think Jesus is delusional? Yeah, but you got to understand, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, remember? I'm the one who's decided to pick the... Right, you live in delusion, (laughs) yes, yes. Well, I wish I could. I mean, I wish I could take a red pill and, and dream a wonderful life, but yeah, I think he's delusional. I mean, a large part. I mean, I, you know, in the end, I mean, he did die a rebel. I mean, you know, he told Caesar to go F himself and he was crucified. So, I mean... He told Caesar what? In the end, Jesus Christ died a rebel. I mean, he, as as existentialist, I mean, he told Caesar, the government, the Roman Empire to go F itself because, right, I mean, he could have saved himself, right? He could have had God send No, no, he, what he did is somewhere in between there. He, what he refused to do was to answer the question. No, but when there... And he said, yeah? When he's being uh, on trial by Pontius Pilate. Oh, Pontius Pilate, yeah. Yeah. Yes. No, he just refused to answer the question. Pilate says, are you the son of God? And he says, that is what you say. Right, I don't know. I don't want to get into biblical history, too. I mean, my point is, I think, for most of his life and most of his preachings, they are delusion. But my point oh, yeah, is... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he certainly... He never attacked the Roman Empire, but he but, attacked the Jewish Sanhedrin, who the empire yeah. allowed to rule over Jews. My yeah. point is, the delusion is not necessarily evil right so i mean i think in in many ways picking the christian delusion you know i do unto others as they would do unto you turn the other seek is a great delusion if you can live it it's better than truth well, <laughs> well, not, well, well, well let's let's go underscore that you believe that the christian ethic is better than truth yeah i mean pascal's gamble right just look at it in terms of Rationale. I mean, Pascal's gamble. On the one hand, you have the option of believing in eternal life in a loving God. On the other hand, you have a meaningless, arbitrary universe that's just going to wind up in a meaningless death. So the option is, on the one hand, even if there's like a, only a one in, in a billion chance of it, if you take that belief, you're going to receive eternal happiness. On the other hand, you receive nothing. So why would you pick nothing? Yeah. I mean, the rational man would pick. You know, the, the Christian you're, 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 So you're saying the red pill is the proper choice? No, I'm not. I'm saying that in a way, even if it's delusion, even if, if the Christian beliefs are false, in the many ways, you're better off picking that delusion because it's going to give you a happy life with the hope of eternal happiness. Even if you're yeah. wrong, you're still leading a happy life. Whereas on the other yeah. hand, you're just leading a life of despair. So, you know, my okay, point well, is... Del- what, yeah. What's more important? Living the happy life or the eternal blessing? Up to this point, <laughs> I think, no, I guess it's the same. Hold it. What are you doing? It's the same thing under Christianity. I mean, believing in okay, Jesus Christ gives you happiness. You can't have one without the other. Okay, I got you. I got you. Yeah. 
So, Val, why haven't you made that choice? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm predestined not to. <laughs> I mean, Pascal's <laughs> poor. <laughs> we go back to Calvin and your damnation. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> You know, Pascal's point was that he realizes that even though it's, you know, more rational to accept the belief that there's going to be people out there who either out of craziness or out of principle, out of spite or whatever, are going to reject it. And he goes, right. more power to them, I guess. You know, that's... Yeah, yeah. that's the, you have that's to the, deal with them. Yeah. Even if you make the choice, you're stuck dealing with them. And that's why we have the just war theory. Yeah, right. The existentialist view is, you know, you're denying your humanity by... By picking God, I mean uh, humanity is finite. You know, humanity is this world. So eternal happiness with God is not humanity. That's being part of God. Uh, yes, uh, and that, that's why I like Buddhist thinking because they reject the notion that those choices are exclusionary. <laughs> but they are <laughs> only in your delusional world. <laughs> yeah, I wish, I wish it was delusional. <laughs> okay, right. I think we did well. I think we did well. We had fun. We couldn't smoke a cigar while we were doing this, though. We had to pretend. Yeah, I know. I know. I yeah, well, if I if, if I get a parking space, we will. I'll let people vote as to whether you're a wise man or a fool, regardless of the uh, lack of cigar. <laughs> there, okay? Yeah. Well, see, I'm afraid of that result. <laughs> 